Know, dear brethren, that as we have rejoiced at the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, so by leave of God's mercy we announce to you also the joy of his resurrection, who is our Savior. On the 14th day of February will fall Ash Wednesday, and the beginning of the fast of the most sacred Lenten season. On the 31st day of March, you will celebrate with joy Easter Day, the Paschal Feast of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the twelfth day of May will be the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the nineteenth day of May the Feast of Pentecost. On the second day of June, the Feast of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ. On the first day of December, the first Sunday of the Advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom is honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Happy Epiphany, everyone, and Merry Christmas, and Happy Easter, too. We just announced the date of the Easter season. We don't do that every Sunday. This is something that we do in the church now on Epiphany. We proclaim the date of Easter, which, as you know, changes every, every year. We proclaim the date of Easter and the date of all of these movable feasts whose dates are calculated from Easter to remind us. I mean, we have calendars, right? We can, you can flip ahead in your planner. You can Google it. You know when Easter is coming up. But we still do it in this public and in this solemn way to remind us of the centrality of Easter, and more to the point, what we celebrate at Easter, the resurrection of Christ, to our entire year. Right? To our entire year. So even though we're still in the season where we celebrate Christ's birth, we're still in the Christmas season, so Merry Christmas, we're already looking forward to celebrating the resurrection. And we do this now, we do this at the beginning of the calendar year because we want to start off our year by placing Christ and his resurrection, the reality of the resurrection, right at the beginning, right at the start of the year. And we do it on Epiphany in particular, right? because we could do it on New Year's Day, but we do it on Epiphany in particular because today, today is the day that we commemorate the adoration of Jesus by those magi from the east. How did they get there? They followed the light of a star. And since ancient times, we have used the stars to keep track of the passage of time. 
And we have also used the stars to give us direction. All of our calendars are based on the movements of the stars. Sailors at sea navigated, found their way by following the directions of the stars. And so we announce Christ's resurrection on Epiphany to remind us that even the stars point us in the direction of Christ. The name of today's feast, Epiphany, is significant. It means a manifestation, a revelation, a making known. And this name tells us that what we commemorate today is bigger than just the arrival of of magi from the east and bringing their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. It's bigger than this one event. And indeed, it reminds us of the point of the whole Christmas season. This is what we celebrate when we celebrate Jesus' birth. It's making known the presence of God in the world. And even before Christmas, all of God's revelation to the Jewish people, that whole long history of Israel, God was making himself known to them. And then the Annunciation, nine months before Christmas, God was made known to Mary. The presence of God was made known to Mary by the message of an angel. That was an epiphany for her. On Christmas, the presence of God with us was made known to the shepherds of Israel, again by an angel. And that was an epiphany for them. And then today we celebrate the fact that Christ has been made known even outside of Israel this time by a star. But again, the epiphany doesn't end there, does it? Christ's divinity was made known, was made manifest in a particular way at his baptism. We celebrate the feast tomorrow of the baptism of the Lord. He was made known by the voice of the Father saying, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. Christ's divinity was manifest, made known at that wedding in Cana, when he showed his power over nature itself, transforming water into wine. That was also an epiphany. These three events are always celebrated together in the church's liturgy. The adoration of the Magi, the baptism of the Lord, the miracle at Cana. These are what we mean when we say epiphany. There's another tradition associated with epiphany that I hope many of you will participate in today, and that's taking blessed chalk. Father Paul blessed a lot of chalk last night for this purpose, taking blessed chalk and inscribing our doors with this blessed chalk with a prayer. And this is also like an epiphany, right? Because we're praying when we do this that, like the wise men, that we, are, we will follow God's light and we will honor Christ in our home. These special customs that we do, they're all about making Christ known. Every single person that walks through the door of your house, when they see those letters and numbers above the door, they'll ask you about it. What does this mean? And when they ask you, what does this mean? That's an opportunity for you to make Christ known to someone else. Remember what Jesus' final instruction for us was right before he ascended into heaven. He told us to go and preach the good news to all the nations. He told us, continue to make me known, continue to make me known to all peoples, to all nations. And the fact that Christ's epiphany is really for all nations is is underscored today 
when we celebrate in a particular way, as I said, these magi who came to pay homage to the Lord. Who were they? They're kind of mysterious. Matthew's gospel doesn't give us a lot of details. We're told that they came from the east. Maybe they were Babylonian, maybe they were Persian. They weren't Jewish. That's what we need to know. They were not Jewish. They were other. And that's significant. The Jewish people at the time, like most people at the time, they were were very tribal people. Most ancient peoples had to be tribal in nature just to survive, and that comes with it this kind of distrust of someone who's not from our tribe. I don't know you, I don't know your customs, I don't know your beliefs, I don't know if you're friend or foe. There's a distrust of other people. And you see this in a lot of the relationships between the, the people of Israel and, and, and all of the, the, the Canaanites and the, all, and the Jewish people and the Samaritans and the gospel and all of this. There's a distrust there. And we're not any different than, than them, are we? We have a distrust for people who are outside of our tribe whatever our tribe might happen to be. Maybe it's your ethnicity. Maybe it's your nationality. Maybe it's your p- political party. Maybe it's a particular ideology or, or whatever. But we all have our tribes. There are even tribes within the church. And if you don't belong to my proper tribe, then I have a hard time getting along with you. I distrust you. You're not one of my, my people. And that's a shame. But what do we have here in the epiphany, in the adoration of the Magi. We've got the Holy Family in Bethlehem, Jesus, Mary, Joseph. We have observant Jews, and then they're visited by these men from somewhere else, these men who are looking for a king, these men bearing strange gifts, And the scene that we have before us today for our reflection and our attention is these magis kneeling down in homage. We have Joseph and Mary. You can picture it, right? You're picturing it in your head right now. Baby Jesus laying in a manger. Joseph and Mary kneeling down, adoring the Lord. The magi coming in with their gifts, also kneeling down, adoring the Lord. There's unity And there's peace in that home in Bethlehem, even among these people who come from such different places with such different traditions, who arrived there by so very different means. What's uniting them is their adoration of Jesus. If we want that kind of peace and that kind of unity in our world, in our church, in our homes. We need to pay attention to this. The only thing I'm convinced that's going to heal any divisions that are in the church today, the only thing that's going to bring back people who have left the church today, it's the Eucharist. It's what unites us in the church It's that real presence of Christ among us. The solution to all of these divisions is reverent worship of Jesus who is just as present in this sacrament as he was in Bethlehem. He is God made flesh. And the only thing that's going to heal us personally 
of whatever divisions we may have in our heart that cause us anguish. It's the same thing. It's the worship of Christ in the Eucharist that is the source and the summit of the Christian life. That's why we call the Eucharist communion. It's because it makes us one. It makes us one. It makes us one because it is the body of Christ. So, what does that mean for us? It means that you and I, we need to do what the Magi did. We need to get up and we need to go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. We need to go to Bethlehem here at the altar and we need to find the bread of life. And we need to bring our gifts, not gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, although if you brought any gold with you, you're free to leave it in the offertory basket when the ushers walk around. What gifts do we have to bring? Maybe you're like that little drummer boy in the song and you don't think you have anything good enough for the newborn king. What do the Psalms tell us? The Psalms tell us a humble and contrite heart you will not spurn. So maybe that's all you've got. Maybe that's all you've got to give, to lay at his feet a humble and contrite heart. Guess what? He'll take it. He'll take it. He'll love it. That's exactly what he wants for Christmas, is a humble and contrite heart. And he will transform it into something glorious, just like he transformed that water into wine at Cana. He can transform it into peace. That's Jesus' Christmas gift to us. It's peace. When he was born, what did the angels announce to the shepherds? Peace. Peace on earth to people of good will. God's gift to us is that we will live in peace and in harmony, united with each other, united with his son as members of his body. It's not necessarily that we will be at peace with the world, right? Because he calls us out of the world, but we will be at peace in our union with the body of Christ. So to give God the gift of ourselves, the gift of our humble and contrite hearts, is to accept God's gift of peace and of unity in his son, in his church. I'm sure you've all seen the bumper sticker that says, wise men still seek him. Let's be wise. Let's be wise. Let's seek Christ our King with humble hearts. Let's follow the star. The star that guides us is the light of truth. How do we find that star? Anywhere you find truth. You can find that star in the scriptures. You can find that star in the teachings of the church. You can find that star as the Magi did in the natural world, which was made by God for us to reveal his wonders. You can find that star here in the liturgy, in our worship. You can find that star in each other, in your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians that we in the church, we Christians, we should shine like the stars in the sky. You are meant to be a star that guides other people to Christ. Wherever we find it, the light of truth always points us to Jesus because Jesus is truth 
incarnate. He is the light of the world. He is the light of all nations. He is the guiding star, and he is the destination. He's the source and the summit. He's the beginning and the end. He's our newborn king, and he is the ancient of days. Come, let us adore him.